sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, January 15th. It's payday, everybody. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the winning edge. I'm Dane Martinez. They call me the spitting statistician. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day to make Making a profitable weekend. And fundamentally, we will try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, I don't know if you know, I'm a little bit excited this morning because my J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 have filled the vacancy in their head coach position. And so have some other teams, right? We have been talking about ranking the openings, talking about interviews, talking about candidates. Well, it looks like the dominoes are starting to fall, Kev, because yesterday we heard in Jacksonville that they have, in fact, hired head new head coach Urban Meyer. There was like a helicopter flying overhead watching his travel movements, you know? So that became clear yesterday. And then not to be outdone, the New York Jets, also hired former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, Robert Salah, as well. We're getting word that, you know, these dominoes are going to continue to fall. But Meyer to Jacksonville, Salah to the Jets. What do you think? We're getting some hirings here. I am incredibly, incredibly excited, and I'm trying to stay focused on one. So I will start with the team that is going to pick number one overall. I think it'll then provide us a little bit more time to talk about your Jets because I think they actually might be a little bit more interesting. So Urban Meyer gets the job. I like the fit because if Urban Meyer is going to make this leap to the NFL, has to be something that resembles a clean slate. Like You're bringing him there because of the ability to build a program. The NFL is not college, but the Jaguars, I mean, really, in terms of it's a clean slate. You have all of the... All of the draft capital you could want, all of the cap space you could want. Plus, I get this sense that management wants to hand this to Urban Meyer and take 10 steps back. Do your thing. And that would be risky for a guy, right, as a first-year NFL head coach, but Urban Meyer's only way of existing as a head coach is as the guy from his time, whether it be in Utah or Florida, and certainly at Ohio State, he is the all-seer of all things, which is why the controversy does lead back to him, because you can't be the all-seer of all things and then claim ignorance when things go wrong. And that stuff exists with Urban Meyer, but from an on-field perspective, right, from a getting a results perspective, I think that these two make sense for one another. And the big thing too, Dane, is that we've heard Urban Meyer reports are enamored with Trevor Lawrence. At the end of the day, that Ohio State connection is there, but he never coached Justin Fields. So I think that not only did they land their head coach, but I believe the New York Jets are on the clock. Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, the Jags hit the reset button, and and I like the move. 
Fair enough. We saw the quote that Adam Schefter reported from Urban Meyer that he's analyzed this decision from every angle at the time is right in Jacksonville and the time is right for me to return to coaching. So says Urban Meyer. Remember, he's had bouts with health difficulties, which ended his tenure at a couple of universities. And, you know, there have been, um, you know, times where he has hopped in, hopped out as we welcome in our radio audience and all of our affiliates from around the country, around the globe. Thanks for getting up on the grid and getting the winning edge early with us especially our newest affiliates Sirius XM channel 204 I gotta ask you though you did mention in there something that I want to push you on a little bit his first time as an NFL head coach and unlike some Mm -hmm. other guys who have made the leap from college Kev you know some of the other guys who made the leap from college I think about guys like Chip Kelly I think about guys like Steve Spurrier they were bringing a crazy new scheme right a different idea of how to play offense to the nfl i don't think that's necessarily what meyer does i mean he had that with alex smith at utah but like he's been kind of just like a beast on the recruiting trail right a beast on it Mm -hmm. as an actual coach coaching up his talent you know i i wonder does that translate to the nfl kev we've had incredibly successful college coaches before come to the NFL and not be able to hack it. I mean, even Nick Saban comes to mind, right? It's been few and far between that it's translated. Do you think it will for Urban Meyer and Jacksonville? I am cautiously optimistic because, Hmm. man, when someone makes a leap to become an NFL head coach for the first time, you can, I think, at the most, be cautiously optimistic about these things. I think that tenure at Utah probably would give people a little bit more excitement or a little bit mm-hmm. more confidence in this because, again, when you're at Florida, Ohio State, like you have the, 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 the guys, right? But also, knowing how to recruit is still a valuable skill at the NFL level. Again, we talk about that cap space. Cap space is meaningless if you can't anybody to sign on the dotted line. So if you look at that yeah, situation, but in college, I, it's like the coach coming into the living room, right? Recruiting a pro to come to your franchise is 100%. less about like the pitch of the head coach, right? Especially a new one. It's it's more about, like, about money, Florida, you know. But yeah. <laughs> right, but but there's but there's also a lot of guys in the mix, right? In terms of who have money, so if something's going to separate, Urban Meyer, you know, knowing a, a sales pitch. Could be valuable. I know we're coming up against the uh, break, but I am excited to talk to Jets here quite a bit. No, absolutely. And we will do that. We set the stage here. Urban Meyer going to the Jets. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back 
back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the winning edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez, the Spits and Statistician. I got Kevin Walsh with me. Thanks to everybody for getting up early and getting the early edge here on the grid, especially Sirius XM Channel 204. Kev, we were talking about how, you know, um, the Jaguars have found their man, Urban Meyer, and I think that's going to be at the top of the marquee, right? Because he's that kind of brand name that people know coming from the college world. Well, it was not the only head coach that was formalized in his position and newly hired yesterday. The New York Jets hire former San Francisco defensive coordinator Robert Salah. He was one of those hot names, Kev, one of those guys Mm -hmm. that were getting interviews everywhere. We talked about it yesterday on the show, right? Like there was that thing, oh, they let him leave the building in New York. And Kev, I guess it's okay to let the man leave the building if you immediately hop on the phone and call his agent and you'd be like, yeah, let's talk (laughs) contract terms, right? Then it's okay to let the guy leave the building because the guy who left the building knows that you are still incredibly interested and they did find a good landing place that works for everybody and the Jets have landed the plane. The new head coach is Robert Salah. What is your knee-jerk reaction to this? A lot of people are excited about the hire. You're hearing former Mm -hmm. players under him come out and say that, you know, this guy is a leader of men, that they got it right. What do you think, Kev? So, We've talked about this as it was increasingly seeming that this was going to be the hire. And you were wondering about hiring a defensive mind. I echoed those sentiments. After last night, I've changed my tune a little bit. Two reasons. One, as soon as he was hired, I said, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? We now wait to find that answer. We got that answer immediately. I love that we got that answer immediately. Regardless of the answer, I just like that that was already sorted out. This wasn't a guessing game. There was clearly a plan put in place. There's a reason why the Jets probably were enamored with this guy throughout the interview process. Who that guy is in Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, who's been incredibly successful as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, checked in incredibly high on my head coach rankings for coaches (laughs) still remaining in the playoffs. Plus, just look at Mike LaFleur. If you're like, hey, where's LaFleur been? Just ask yourself, where was Kyle Shanahan that year? That's where Mike LaFleur has been. I hold Kyle Shanahan in incredibly high regard as an offensive head coach. So I'm sold on the offensive coordinator spot. Secondly, and I think more importantly, yes, he's a defensive head coach, but you mentioned it. Go through Twitter last night. Like You you would have thought the Niners were paid to tweet positive things about this guy as he takes this new job. Very different than when Bill O'Brien left Houston, right? You don't see players being like, oh, we love you, coach. Thanks for the time. But, yeah, they love this guy. And and the thing – and here's why I think that's important, right? And I think now as a Jets fan, maybe you can take this for – like what a difference from Adam Gase. I mean, (laughs) hated, hated by players, right? Richard Sherman is a guy whose voice matters in this league, man. It does. And when Robert Sala and the Jets come calling with all that cap space, again, we yes, money is money and money is going to win. But when everything is equal, if Richard Sherman puts the call in, that matters. Again, cap space is meaningless Whoa, if you don't Manny sign anybody. The call with in for it. Adam Gaze, and we saw how that worked. No, out. That right, was and that's how. Reference. I guess it did help him no. get jobs, well, right? So, yeah, absolutely. That got Gase the job. It didn't get him any players, though, because any other good players, he ran out of town. What a sicko. Yeah. For me, though, yeah. I just I like the vibe that you get from Salad. Defensive mind, 
Sure, at the end of the day, and you know this, if Mike LaFleur is good, you've got at most two years. Then he's gone and he's going to go coach as a head coach somewhere else. And you're going to have to run this back. But you know what? Again, the vibe you get off Robert Sala, it's like, oh, this guy's going to coach this team for at least a decade, right? You never know if that's going to be true. But I, I just, that type of player positivity the Jets have needed for a while now, I I come away high on the move. Okay, and, and it's not like I'm knocking the move, Kev, right? Um, and I agree with you, the idea that, like, if LaFleur is good as the OC, he's going to be the hot candidate soon enough, yeah. right? But the way I think about that, Kev, that's like – that's like first world problems. You know what I mean? And yep. I'd be happy yep. to have that kind of issue right now because you know what that means? That means then like Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, right? That means that this Jets offense is not 32nd in the NFL anymore, right? And so I'll take, I'll cross that bridge if and when I get to it. You tell me that my offensive coordinator is all of a sudden the hot candidate. I'll show you a playoff contender. You know what I mean? And that in itself yeah. would be something that I'd be happy happy with. You are right. I like what I have seen out of Salah, the energy he brings. If you watch any 49ers game, it's not like this guy doesn't get airtime. You know what I'm saying? The camera finds him, and mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying and the motivation, the quote-unquote leader of men, but I do fundamentally rather a guy at the top in that seat being an offensive mind. I just do call it a personal preference, Mm -hmm. call it a personal preference that grows and grows as this league evolves and evolves more and more into a passing league. Do I think there can be effective, strong, great defensive minded head coaches? Yes, I think it's possible. I just personally would have liked them go in the offensive direction. We talked about a lot of uh, candidates like that, the Arthur Smiths, the Eric B. Enemies, and the like. But listen, the league seems to like it. I do think he's the right type of individual coming off Adam Gates, right, for the hmm. Jets that can help a rebuild, a turnaround. And like the Jaguars, the Jets are flush with cap space, flush with draft picks, right? And something of a clean slate in the way that it can only go up from here. So, Kev, I ask you, Urban Meyer, Robert Salah, who's going to get into the playoffs first? Because both of these teams seem like they are flush with cap space. Both of these teams Mm. seem like they have a boatload of picks. Both of these teams we want to be happy about, right? But listen... It took 11 wins to get to the playoffs in the AFC this year, right? There's a ton of young quarterbacks that are ready to grab the mantle and be installed for the next decade as legitimate playoff contenders year after year after year. Maybe Trevor Lawrence will be one of those dudes. Maybe Sam Darnold can be kind of, you know, rebuilt in a lab. But Jags or Jets, who do you think reaches the AFC playoffs first? Well, I fully intend on dancing around that question because (laughs) I don't want to be held to anything just yet. But it's a good question. But here's what makes it fascinating. Because when we were were looking at the jobs, Kev, right, didn't we, like, I had them tied. You had them back-to-back. And we the factors were the same. The cap space, the, you know, the front office. So what do you think? Yeah, one pick first. That was the difference, right? And why I had Jacksonville where I had Jacksonville. Here's here's the thing, though, right, is – 
Last year, we tried to figure out who was going to go worse to first, right? It goes every year, every, every year. There were people who were ta- attaching their wagon to Matt Patricia. It didn't right. work out, right? That was part of the reason why I maybe lucked into saying Washington could win the division. Right. It ended up being Washington. If you really go through it, there's going to be a lot of teams that I could see people being like, that's my worst to first. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets both fit that description. But why the hmm. Jets are so fascinating is while Trevor Lawrence is going to have, you know, expectations but he'll still be a rookie it doesn't appear that this is going to be lawrence versus justin fields adam Schefter last night right joining espn right. to talk a little bit further about this decision to hire robert salah saying he would be very surprised if the quarterback for the new york jets was not sam darnold entering next season at the second pick possibly drafting penny sewell best player available or even trading that selection I'm curious mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. I know we got to hit games. I feel like we got plenty of time to hit no, games. I need time, your bro. thoughts on Sam. I need your thoughts on I Sam Darnold. Here's thoughts. what. Yeah, here's what I'll go quickly ahead, though. Ahead. I'll I've quickly just to me four, seven, and eight. The Falcons, uh-huh. the Lions, the Panthers. Those are the only teams that I can see making that move up to two. I'm curious what you think of it all. Sammy D getting another year. It's interesting. Have great minds think alike. I'll tell you what I think when we hit the other side of the break and talk to worst to first. What about Salah's former team? The Niners could go worst to first. We'll come back and talk about it after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the winning edge on Sports Rig. Big shout out to all of our affiliates. So many ways to listen, so many ways to watch us here on the grid. I'm Dane Martinez. We got Kevin Walsh with me, as always. Of course, our newest audience, thank you for waking up early with us on Sirius XM Channel 204. We give you the winning edge here. And on a football Friday, going into one of the best weekends in the season, we will certainly break all the games down into a fine powder. We'll then take that fine powder, drizzle it in our coffee, and be ready for the weekend. But before we even get into that, there was movement, Kev, on the head coaches. We're talking about Robert Salah now being the head coach of the New York Jets. And you talked about a um, a report from Shefty that <clears throat> it looks like maybe – they're going to go at it one more time with Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold is younger than some of these quarterbacks coming out in the draft this year because he came out, remember, after I believe like his sophomore mm. campaign. So he is one of the younger quarterbacks still in the NFL. And Kev, we've talked about this like all season long. And if you remember, I was like a guy who like felt bad for Sammy D, right? Wanted him to kind of have another chance at it. Then when it became feasible that we could have Trevor Lawrence I was like oh wait 
if you have a chance to get Trevor Lawrence, you got to go get Trevor Lawrence, right? He's the uh, highly regarded quarterback, maybe this side of Andrew Luck over the last 10 or 15 years coming out of the draft. Then when mm-hmm. it became clear that they were going to be number two, I started to move on this, Kev. And I told you this, right? I thought that the move may be to go get the stud tackle Sewell out of Oregon, put him at the other bookend with Makai Becton, and then you can protect Sam Darnold or whoever's going to be the Jets quarterback for the next 10 years. I now think about a run game with the LaFleur and what they do with Shanahan. I want to be able to do that, right? So here's what I would do. If I'm the Jets, yes, I bring back Sam Darnold. And with number two, Kev, I think you are right. For me, there's two options. One, you draft Penny Sewell right there. You keep it moving, and you're excited about the draft capital you have. You have another pick at the end of the first round. You draft early in the second round. You have multiple picks in, like, the third round. A lot of draft capital, and you restock with what could be a franchise bookend tackle for a decade. The other way, Kev, and I completely, completely agree with you. The other thing to do is to trade down and to trade that pick down to someone who wants to move up and get Justin Fields. Okay, so and we've seen this before. You're in Philly. The Goff Wentz year, it happened, right? The Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. year. People will trade up to do this. I mean, the Mitchell Trubisky year, you know what I mean? So there will be a market. But I think you are right because I think you just put out things like four, seven, eleven. I I would trade down if I'm the Jets, but I don't want to trade down too far. Kev, when you talk about four, that's intriguing to me because let's say I trade to four, right? And I believe that would be Atlanta. Is that correct? Right? Atlanta then mm-hmm. going to two, they would take Justin Fields. I'm sitting there at four with the two quarterbacks gone, right? Then I only got one other team that's going to make a pick, right? And that one other team yeah. is going to be the Miami Dolphins, likely, right? And so maybe they get the offensive lineman or not, then I am getting still the second best non-quarterback talent in the draft. I'm with that, right? Going down to seven, going down to 10, I'm not so sure I want to do that because I still want my chance at an absolute elite talent coming out of this draft. And if I don't get it, I'm fine turning around and taking my new neck uh, left tackle for the roaring 20s. Make sense, Kev? No, I think it abs- uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, and, and I think when listen, I, I love the NFL draft, and and I mean I've already written oh, out like do. four mock drafts here, <laughs> like through different scenarios in which the Jets trade back. The reason why this is capped to me at eight is what you said. They probably don't want to go too far back, but also because I've got quantity already. Costs- Kev. I've already got quantity. I've already got like ten picks. You know what I mean? So I've right. got that. Let me get the elite stud. Let me yeah. get the blue chipper. The thing is, though, Dan, it's also it costs an arm and a leg to go. Like, so if you go through these, right, like this situation here, the Niners, I'm sure, would love Justin Fields. 12 to 2 is a steep, steep mountain. Like, forget, but forget your own, like, oh, I don't want to pick outside of the top 10. No, I remember this. Few I remember this when the Jets and the Colts swapped three to six, right? And the, yep. the extra rounds and the following year, they had that, like, price chart, you know, for draft picks. Yes. And you're right. To move up, it, it's it's costly. So there would be a great you also I get mentioned that. You mentioned the Goff once. The Eagles traded up twice during the offseason. Right. Like, they made a move up to eight and then made a move up – was there a trade up also like, for the Mariota, the Mariota Winston year? Did one of did did 
maybe not Tampa Bay. Did Tennessee trade up for Mariota? Is but it happens a bunch, like every year. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, it does. The Bills traded up, you know, uh, for Allen that that Watson Mahomes year. There was a trade up. You know, they right. make the move. For so the for me, for me, I look at Atlanta at four as a possible trade up scenario. Yes, I look at the Lions at seven. Make all the sense in the world. And the and to me, the furthest back that I would go would be Carolina at eight. A long time ago, okay, this team was reportedly excited about the 2021 quarterback draft class. Right. And I don't right. think that that excitement has left that building. People might throw out Denver at nine. If Denver switches at quarterback, it's not going to be through the draft, in my opinion. It would be through trying to add somebody already within this league. I don't think they would move on from Drew Locke for another prospect. So if you just kind of go through the different scenarios, right? If they go back to four, some combination of Devonta Smith or Patrick Sertain, maybe you get lucky and a Penny Sewell falls to four. You go a little right. bit further back at Parsons. seven. Again, could Alex Leatherwood be the tackle you take out of Alabama? Absolutely. Yeah. Micah Parsons, your Patrick Sertains. And even if you go all the way back to eight, Gregory Rousseau, uh, out of Miami, right. the edge rusher, who sat out the season. So, again, when a guy sits out the season, very few guys are going to you know, be a part sure. of the conversation. Jamar Chase and Mika Parsons are so good, but Rosseo is right there. So I do believe eight is kind of that limit of where they can go back. And if they go to eight, they'd get a ton of draft capital in order to let the Panthers make that move. Penny Sewell is great if they pick it to, no harm, no foul. Really, the only way in which we look back on this and say, that was a big-time mistake, is if they're moving on from Sam Darnold at year's end while Justin Fields is out there being exciting for a different franchise. Fair enough, but here's the other thing, right? If Sam Darnold now with potentially improved support, improved coaching and all that stuff, sure. right? If he still defecates the mattress one other year and doesn't, you know, progress, right? Then the Jets sure. are drafting in the top five next year. Right. And and we'll be talking about, you know, whatever it is, uh, Slovis, Daniels, whoever, Rattler, whoever it winds up being then. Right. And will they be? That's the thing. Right. It's about the gap. I don't know. And we'll have plenty of time to get into it. Right. What is the gap between Penny Sewell and, say, a Leatherwood or the other tackles that might be available? What is the gap between Mika Parsons, who I know is one of the top defensive guys and, like you say, the great second generation cornerback out of Alabama, Patrick Sertain? You know, I. So it's always about that. And remember, I started asking you, Kev, what did you think was the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields about three weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? For this same exact kind of calculation. You bring up Carolina. Yeah. I do think that's interesting. Remember, they have been lukewarm at best on the status of Teddy Bridgewater as their starter. But part of me thinks that really, if you think about it, the Panthers' need is on the defensive side of the ball. They drafted everybody on the defensive side of the ball. I wouldn't think that you know, their offense was kind of ho-hum, but remember, they do get Christian McCaffrey back and have a bunch of the tools. Can Teddy be a game manager yeah. in the same way that we're giving Sam Darnold another chance? But I digress. We now, though, Kev, we do have Urban in Jacksonville. We have Salah in New York, right? So now there are five openings left in the National yeah. Football League. We've chronicled them all. Houston, the Chargers, the Lions, the Falcons, and the Philadelphia Eagles who came online after the end of the regular season and it seems Kev that now that Salah now that we well Urban Meyer was really like Jacksonville or bus kind of thing we are now seeing other mm -hmm. kind of candidates 
emerge as like highly sought after getting lots of interviews and one that is at the top of the list at least from what i'm seeing tell me if you agree is um titans offensive coordinator arthur smith it looks like he is heavily um sought after the jets even had a second interview with him yeah well arthur smith uh, reportedly has now been offered the atlanta falcons head coaching position Okay. To where if Arthur Smith, again, you mentioned an offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans, if he wants the Falcons job, it's his. Down. Almost. There's five head coach open. Before four other coaches that can find themselves in the mix. Because Smith, if he turned down the Falcons job, would be doing so. Hey, Kevin, I think we got a little bit of a problem right there with your audio. I'm, uh, I'm working through it right here. So what we're going to do is uh, give you a chance to reset a little bit. You're absolutely right. Arthur Smith has been the focus. You're saying that he is now being offered the head coach in Atlanta. You know where I think Todd Bowles was also being sought after or thought about for that opening in Atlanta. He's starting to get openings. We'll see if he gets to get more interviews if and when the Tampa Bay Bucks lose. We'll go back to Kevin. Give it a shot. We got about a minute left in this segment. You like Arthur Smith. You think he's going to take the author, the offer from Arthur Blank in Atlanta? Say that five times fast, Kev. I don't know if uh, – yeah, I'm definitely expecting Arthur Smith to take the job in Atlanta because if he didn't, that means he's got a different job. So almost – there's five head coach openings. To me, now there's four. He's not going to okay. turn down Atlanta to stay in tight the Tennessee as an okay. offensive coordinator, right? If he turned Atlanta down, it means he's taking one of these other four jobs. We know the Lions have been interested in him as well. I think that's really one All of right, the two so we situations are down to that four, we're looking Kev. at. We'll turn to the division games and start to break them down. Division weekend when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-outs, all the ways to listen, to watch, to get the winning edge with spitting statistician Dane Martinez and the candle burner Kevin Walsh, especially, of course, SiriusXM Channel 204, our newest audience. Thanks for getting up on the grid. Hopefully, we can help you make this a profitable weekend. Kev, division weekend in the NFL. Two games tomorrow, two games on Sunday. I told you, I always used to call this the best weekend in football okay because you had the four games like to me the super bowl honestly is less of a football game and more of like an american pageantry celebration you know what i mean where like you're watching it with people that care more about halftime and commercials you can bet on things like the over under on the national anthem it's almost like it's it's almost like just like an american celebration as opposed to a 
football game. I love Championship mm. Sunday, but I only get two games, and I only get one day of action, right? So you back it up, and I get four games today, and the ones and two seeds are involved, which for me used to be the differentiating factor between Wild Card Weekend. I may have to revisit this because we got triple headers on Wild Card Weekend, but this is an amazing weekend of football with the one seeds joining the tournament, and the first one is in action to start the weekend in Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers will host the Los Angeles Rams. Kev, this spread started at a touchdown. It went down. We do watch for the hook all the time. It got to six and a half, and it has stayed there. 45 and a half is the total. I will make the point that there will be 6,000 fans, it looks like, in Lambeau Field. And Kev, to me, this is like, you know, we say it all the time, right? The unstoppable force against the immovable object. On the one side, mm. we have the presumptive MVP in Aaron Rodgers, the number one offense in the NFL at 31.8 points a game. They have only turned the ball over 11 times this season. That is best in the NFL. Then on the other side, we have this Rams defense that's given up 18 and a half points a game. Number one in the NFL, Kev, 281 yards a game. Number one in the NFL, Kev. And we talk about Aaron Rodgers and all his greatness in an MVP season. Well, the Los Angeles Rams give up, Kev, only 190 yards per game through the air. Oh, Kev, guess what? That's number one in the NFL. Who wins this matchup here when the Packers have the ball? Is it the dominant Aaron Rodgers offense or do Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and the crew have the chance to slow this offense down? So if anybody has a chance to slow him down, it would be this Rams defense. This Rams defense is spectacular. I would have loved to seen them play the Chiefs this year. It would have been, it would have mm. just been fun to watch them. And they still lose probably by 10. Maybe not. I don't know. They're a really good Only defense. Like 51-48 on Monday Night Football a couple years ago when they played. 54-51. <laughs> I happen to be there looking at that box score. For okay. another reason, when we talk Chiefs-Browns, we'll get to it. Uh, sure. But that was the exact score. You're almost spot on, though. Pretty pretty impressive. I wouldn't have had it, I don't think, as close as you. So the spread, of course, is what everyone's talking about. But if you'll allow me, I'd like to start with the total because I feel more comfortable about the total in this game. Sure. I like sure. the over in this game. 45.5 is the lowest number that we have all weekend long. Yeah. Green Bay is 9-7 and seven to the over this year, but that's meaningless. Green Bay has gone over 45 and a half in all but two of their games this season. All but two. Once against the Jaguars, 24-20, and then once right. against the Panthers, 24-16. That, to me, is significantly more important than whether or not they go over 56 and a half in a game against the Indianapolis Colts, right? Like, I just think that if you take it for what you have, or the game against the Titans, right, where, you know, the crazy... We're dealing with a low number when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. 14 hmm. out of 16 games went over that number. Now, it would be incredibly disingenuous if I didn't acknowledge that the Rams have gone below this number a ton of times. Sure. And I mean a ton of times. So I wouldn't be. But at the end of the day, go through this Rams schedule, right? Which games profile similarly to this Packers team, right? I don't think it's their four battles with the NFC East, right? It really would be <laughs> the Seahawks, fair enough, 
two of those three games did stay below this what number. About the Bills game? Some might. The Pills game was 35-32. The only other game that would be a proof point would be the Bucks game, 27-24. Like, I'm not here to tell you that the Rams' defense is overrated. That defense is very, very good. But they are – you don't play an offense like the Packers week in, week out. That'd be ridiculous, right? right? But when they have played the better offenses in the league, the games have been higher scoring. Even when they played the Cardinals and Kyler was something that resembled healthy right. at the time, 38-28. Now, the Rams won that game. To me, this 45-and-a-half, I understand how good this Rams defense is, but this number for a Green Bay Packer game, to me, especially a game they're still supposed to win, that profiles mm -hmm. as a discount. The Rams, and I know a pick six was part of it, but that defense is explosive, scored 50 points in a game. They didn't score 50. There was 50 total points scored against the Seattle Seahawks. I like the over here. It, it For me, I am the most confident in this over. We'll talk side. People love their sides. But I really do like the over in this game. Listen, I'm, I'm not mad at that. And when you talk about how when even this Rams defense goes up against a more dynamic offense, they may slow the offense down, but ultimately we get a 2020 NFL kind of football game, right? Where it is dynamic, yep. where it is back and forth. And so I can see Green Bay, you know, maybe being slowed, but still you ain't shutting Aaron Rodgers, the presumptive MVP, down. Yep. Talk to me, though, on the Rams side when it comes to the side here. The Rams are banged up. Even Listen, they're going to go, okay? It's not like Cooper Cup or Cam Akers mm -hmm. or Aaron Donald or Jared Goff is not going to go. They're going to dress. They're going to be Torah dolled up, and they're going to give it their all, you know, college try. Are you concerned about effectiveness? Are you concerned about limited snaps? Are you concerned about Cup as a decoy? Are you concerned that, you mm -hmm. know, Cam Akers, who looked amazing, right, um, may just have to share a committee a little bit more with Malcolm? Brown to manage reps or anything like that. The fact is the Rams are coming in beat up more than any other team that is playing this weekend. How much of an impact does that yeah. have when you consider the sides? Well, it's it's really difficult because, you know, we're in the divisional round of the playoffs. You, you want to be as close to full strength as possible. You got For a sure. team that's coming off of a bye. They feel rested. They feel good. You come in with your quarterback not at 100%, your best player not at 100%, and maybe your most important offensive weapon. And you know how I feel about quarterbacks being significantly more important than running backs, but let's look at what Jared Goff is doing. Let's look at what Cam Akers is doing. Cam Akers not at 100%. I mean, like, what's the best thing a Rams backer could say? I'm not too worried about it. You can't say it's insignificant. Right, right, right. You can't say it's irrelevant. We're, we're talking about three of the most – like, this isn't the backup left guard. This isn't a, the third down pass rushing defensive right. tackle. We're talking about Aaron Donald. Yeah. talking about Jared Goff. We're talking about Cam Akers. We're talking about three of the most important players on this Cup. team. <laughs> yes, like, like, the, like we're talking about the guys. Here's yeah. another reason why I find myself and I, pushing a little bit towards Green Bay. We've talked about the Rams – and they they're a need to play their game. They need the game script to line up. And when it does, they can do what they did last week. They're in front. They're running. They're chewing clock. They're forcing you to punt. Eventually, Goff puts together a drive, and, if he, and we're done here, right? Because they will just continue to bleed and murder that clock. They're comfortable. 
But if Green Bay gets in front, yeah. we're done here. To me, we're done oh, here. Yeah, I and I don't mean 7 nothing. okay? I mean we're into the no, halftime. Where it changes the game script, yeah. Yes, exactly. When the game script is out of hand, it's just not good for the Rams. And this is why I'm pushing towards Green Bay. Rosters are different year to year, but last year Green Bay had a bye. That game at half, that week, that first divisional round game for them, they were up on the Seattle Seahawks 21 to 3. To me, the fact that they under the floor have had a divisional round game off a bye, jumped all over their opponent. I know last year's Seattle's defense, nobody would compare to this year's Rams. I totally get that. They're comfortable. Rodgers off a bye has been money. Rodgers at home has been money. Like these, It's just too many things point me to Green Bay. It's almost this scenario, Dane, where you'd rather be laying the full seven because you're like, okay, at least it's a little bit more difficult because I know people are worried. Oh, the six and a half is too easy. The six and a half is too easy. And that's part of the reason why I'm worried about the teaser, because the teaser does feel too easy. But if I pick the Rams here, I'm lying to myself. I don't think the value is on the Rams. I don't think they're the better team. I don't think the matchup is in their favor. I lean towards the Green Bay Packers. All right, fair enough. There's plenty of ways to skin the cat, though. I know you love the prop market, and I know you love the touchdown market. And listen, when we're talking about the number one offense in the NFL, there's a lot of people you think could get into the end zone, right? I mean, Devontae Adams, with his 18 touchdown receptions, led the NFL. I mean, Aaron Jones, get this, in 26 home games at Lambeau Field, Aaron Jones, the Packers running back, has 25 touchdowns in 26 games. That seems like a good ratio. Even the tight end Robert Tunyon, right, who has come on, he has scored a receiving touchdown in six of the last seven games for the Green Bay Packers. And you can get him at a little bit of a better value, a little bit more plus money with this number one offense. I know you're saying they're going to get slowed but not stopped. Who gets in the end zone? You want to play in this anytime touchdown market or with some of the rushing props you were talking about as well? We put up the numbers for some of the key totals in the prop market for this game. So if I like an over, then that means I can find some value in the touchdown market because that means I think there's going to be touchdowns. As far as the Packers go, minus numbers in the touchdown market, it's tough, right? But Robert Tanyan at plus 170, now that's something that that I can be talked into. Also, and now look, this guy is just built to absolutely break your heart when he drops it, but MVS getting Mm. open behind the defense is always live. At plus 460? Dang, 460. Right. I mean, we think Ramsey's that is gonna a travel with Adams also. Number. Right? We think Ramsey's yeah. going to travel with Adams. And there are times, remember, listen, I, I was remembering the, the Darrell Revis times, right, where you wouldn't even mm-hmm. look his way throughout the game. And if Ramsey is like that, Rodgers may, you know, not. not hone in on D. Adams as much and look for, like you said, the MVSs, the Lazards, the Tunyons a little bit more. Those could be live. Yeah, and, I, and again – they're monster plus numbers. That's the exciting thing about it for me. But also, like, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Jalen Ramsey's sensational. Devontae Adams just had one of the better wide receiver seasons that we've seen in quite some time. I mean, on a, on a fantasy points per game average, I know people sometimes yeah. don't want to get caught up in fantasy, but it just lets you know the raw production that that guy was giving you. I mean, one zillion touchdowns, a zillion catches, and a zillion yards. I believe he, he had the first ever zillion, zillion, zillion question. season. He, he sure was. I thought myself. I was like, oh, it's Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> nope, it's the best wide receiver in football. Don't overthink it. And by the way, from the Rams side of things, Cam Akers plus 110. 
two to one on both Cup, uh, Cup and Woods. I don't mind that one bit. I, I, I think that you're getting both those guys at plus two ten. Again, I don't see. I don't think the Rams are going to be shut out in this game. Right. Uh, so I think that might have some value to it as well. Yeah, those tertiary options, guys like Josh Reynolds, Tyler Higby. You know, when you can get a big time mm. value. When we come back, we'll keep looking at these games. But uh, Kevin was talking, saying you don't see the Green Bay Packers offense all the time. I'll tell you how good they were, Kev. When we come back, giving you the winning edge right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout-out to our newest affiliates on Sirius XM Channel 204. Kev, trivia time here on a Football Friday. You have been extolling how amazing the 2020 version of the Green Bay Packers are with the presumptive MVP Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers, Kev, and the Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. offense, he, Aaron Rodgers had 48 passing touchdowns this season. Okay? Oh and that's okay. pretty amazing. But get this, Kev. The Packers offense, 48 passing touchdowns, 46 punts all season long. Punters continuing to be in the narrative. More touchdown passes than punts in the regular season for the 2020 Green Bay Packers. Kev, that is the fourth team in NFL history to pull that trick. There have been three other teams, offenses, if you will, Uh who have had more passing touchdowns than punts. In their regular season, that is pretty amazing, first of all, on its face. And ironic, because we were talking about punters this week. Do you want to take a chance at naming the other three offenses who have done this? I will say this. They have all happened in my lifetime. Yeah, well, that's not the same as mine. Listen, at the end of the day, you know my strategy here. Good guesses. They don't have to be right. So, what was it? The 2013 Broncos? However, designate all of your guesses as good. Correct. Well, listen, if somebody thinks these are not good guesses, then I will debate that till the very end. The accuracy of them might not be there, though. So, let's, right, the year Peyton threw 50 some odd touchdowns, and that was the 2013 Broncos. The year Brady threw 50 touchdowns. I think that was what, the 07 Pats? Randy Moss, wild. And then. We got two options here, right? There was Pat Mahomes, and then there's Matt Ryan's MVP season because that Falcons offense was sweet. The Falcons were, I told you this off air, they were my designated go-to answer. I'm just going to rip the 2016 Falcons as my three teams. If that's 0-3, criminal question on your part. It is not 0-3, but I'll tell you how many Kev got right in hour number two of the early line. 